0: Good morning, not Vietnam. Good morning, <laughs> United States. I mean, maybe Vietnam. Maybe we have some Vietnam listeners. Good morning to everybody. We've got a great show for you today. We are rehashing our summer because sadly it's creeping to an end. As we talked about, we batched a little bit this summer.
1: We are going to give you a little rehash. Here's what we did, and here's what we didn't do. Then we're going to talk about: Are we even the same people we used to be? Science has an answer, and we have opinions. What else is new?
0: And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. But up next take it away, kiddo. The
1: tits and the sits
0: mosquitoes. I hate them. I hate them so bad. I agree. I mean, I guess the shits is also that I've had mostly an indoor summer teaching and stuff like that. We went to my aunt's at Long Beach Island this last weekend. I walked outside for maybe five minutes after the sun went down and I got upwards of 23 bug bites all in the worst places, like on my bunion. Who needs a bug bite on your bunion? Three on my neck to the point where I was like, do I have a goiter now? Oh no, it's just <laughs> extreme inflammation from mosquito bites. I was watching some science show with Luna and only female mosquitoes bite and it's to feed their children. I'm like, you know what? I don't care about your children. Don't bite me. I don't give a fuck about mosquito babies. Get out of here. Just stop, please. I hate it. I can't even enjoy life with your mosquito-ness. It's the patriarchy. It's woman-on-woman
1: crime. (laughs) (laughs) Women just can't support women.
0: They're just so judgy of each other. (laughs) My tits are, I've reached a new level of I don't give a shit. I didn't think I could anymore, but I got some not so great hair color. I just, was like, I'll just shave my head. Before bad hair color or bad haircut would send me into a tizzy. This time, basically my hair had kenergy and not in a good way. I am now going to just get like a Reality Bites Winona Ryder pixie cut and just start from the beginning again because I'm like, I don't care. If anyone can rock that little
1: pixie cut though, it is you.
0: I believe that this is just the right amount of I don't give a shit that is needed in today's world. Mm. Aliens are here. Whatever. It's fine. Luna's starting a new school. I'm teaching school and I'm in school. I need this kind of YOLO.
1: I don't give a shit energy. I just have to make it through the day. Congratulations to you. But I also think, and there's been so many articles and so many videos done on this, but I think as a culture, we've just gotten to this point where we've been through so much, especially us younger generations, mostly millennial and Gen Z are just at the point where it's like, well, what other history making event do I have to live through? When the whistleblower came out about the UFOs this summer. Those of us who believe it, we've all reached this point where it's just like, okay, aliens. I think we all just want the aliens to save us. Yeah. We're not even scared that it's going to be bad things. We're just like, yeah, do what you need to do to get us out of our misery, save the planet. Those of us who have chosen to repopulate this planet, we're all very concerned about the decisions we've made and why we brought children into this world that seems to be somewhat dying. So we don't give a fuck anymore. We don't give a fuck. Fine. Bad haircuts. Fine. Gained weight. Let me live my life in whatever semblance of joy I can muster from all of it at this point.
0: I feel the same way about Aliens as I feel about life before the Me Too movement. I'm offended that I have not been contacted yet. All of my friends were like, oh, I was harassed by this director. I was like, I've never been harassed like that. Oh, I have. Am I not pretty? Aliens, am I not pretty enough? Did you not find me harassable enough? I think I've mentioned it on the show before that my grandmother had a friend named Mildred, and I'm at Mildred level I don't care, which is that the only thing she ate was M&M's, and she just said whatever was on her mind at all times. I'm at Mildred level. This is all a shit
1: show. All I know is I just want to be happy. True. I want my child to just be as well adjusted as possible, and I want to not live in poverty. Tits for me is, it's been feeling a little bit like fall the past two days when I wake up in the morning. I don't like summer. I don't like heat. I don't like sweating. I have enjoyed spending all this time with Sebastian, but yeah, man, I I'm ready for some falling leaves, some coats, some boots, mostly the wardrobe change, that crisp feeling in the air when you go for a walk. I love that. I like sweater weather. My shits are, I can't believe the summer went by.
0: The dog days of summer are over. Let's talk about what we did. Not enough beach days. I grew up at the beach. I need to be at the beach every day. I had four beach days. Now, I do love the beach in September. So I'm hoping that there might be a weekend here or there that I can do that.
1: Although I'm probably already booked up if I'm going to be real with you. For me, it was not enough pool days. I think I spent more time at the beach than I did a pool, which is shocking for me. As we know, I am not a beach person, but I am a pool person. And just living in New Jersey, New York area, there's not a lot of access to pools. Yeah, it's true. But I love a pool. Love it. We had a
0: Luna camp debacle situation where this expensive camp that we got Luna into that the joke in Montclair was like it was trying to get Taylor Swift tickets because nobody could get into this camp. I got Luna into the camp. I got her after care and before care and all the stuff for my job. And she had a real big freak out that we're still trying to decompress. When is your kids? I don't like this. They're annoyed and they just want to be with you. And so they're saying they don't like it. And when is something really an issue? I would like to hear from you guys. Reach out to us, parents that have been doing this longer. How
1: do you know it's no longer a preference and there's actually a problem? This is the
0: first time that anything like that has happened. That was a real bummer because one, it was a very expensive camp and we missed two weeks of it. And it caused her to be less excited about her new school on top of that. So that's been a weird part of the summer that I was not looking forward to. I knew we'd have to amp up this new school that Luna's going to and get her ready for these new routines. But then having to work against this other
1: thing I didn't expect that. This was the summer of Matt's friends turning 40. So June was one person's surprise party and the following weekend was an actual party. And then Matt's is coming up this month. I'm having fun shopping for your birthday this year. My birthday is coming up also, but I'm not 40. Matt's being so easy. Matt's not a guy who loves a birthday party. All he wants to do is go into the city with his best friends and drink. Yeah that's kind of what he
0: always wants to do on his birthday. Right
1: exactly so I'm trying to find my ways to step that up a little bit. Maybe I'll get him a singing telegram for his birthday. I don't know if he would like that. I'm gonna get him pizza in the shape of a heart. That he'd probably be way more into. That is his cup of tea. I'm just trying to find different ways to make his birthday bigger and more special because my 40th is in two years and we already have a plan and it's elaborate. I just want to do something for him because he's the most special person to me and I want to make it special for him. This
0: was the summer of me reclaiming my love of the arts. We know I love the arts, but for a long time, especially when you're a new mom, you just can't take anything in. But this summer, Lee and I went to movies again, which we hadn't done since before the pandemic. I went to concerts. I've been to two Broadway shows. I'm going to another one next week. I'm taking back my love of doing interesting things in the city. That's nice. Why live so close to the city? Why continue to want to live in these places? If I'm not doing the things that I love about these places. I saw Radiohead done classically by Candlelight. All these super nuanced and niche artistic things that living close to New York, you're privy to being like, oh, did you hear this is going to be huge. I like
1: that stuff. It was a very challenging and very gratifying summer with Sebastian. Now that we're coming to an end, I'm kind of sad that he's going back to school because I enjoy my buddy. But at the same time, he's definitely turned into a kid. He's no longer a little toddler. And so his preferences and his attitude have changed a lot where he used to be a little kid that just wanted to hug his mommy all the time. That happens a lot less. Now he wants to do what he wants and he has an attitude about things and he tells me, I'm not cool. We have fully entered the boy years. He's still lovely and he's still kind and he still tells me, Mama, I love you. He's still such a sweet boy. He truly is and I am not taking that away from him, but as his mother, it has really been changed challenging getting used to him in this new way, because I feel like the way he loves me is different now. It means you're doing your job, though. Totally. But it's still hard. Right. It does mean I'm doing my job and I'm happy about that, but it is still challenging to accept that he is his own person and that he isn't going to act in all the ways I want him to. It's been trying, but also I still love him so much and I don't want him to go back to school, but I am excited for him.
0: On that same turn, I had a little bit of a Luna breakthrough actually in the pool at my Aunt Marie's. We were having some really good one-on-one pool time and we were practicing swimming without her swimmies on. She said that sometimes the reason why she's been acting up is because she's been lonely because Lee and I have been working so much and that we really need more of this one-on-one time. When she gets home from school, it's a mad dash to make dinner, get her to bed. And then half the time I'm just getting home too. So I'm checking emails on on my phone and multitasking. But the fact that she articulated that to me, I was like, thank you. I really needed to know that. So when you feel that way, let mommy know instead of being reactive. It made me think, okay, when I give her a bath, I can't be on my phone. When I put her to bed, I can't be on my phone. Maybe we don't have as much time as we did on that vacation, but if I can do a little bit of it every day and then schedule these weekend times where we can have this like mini vacation where the whole family is more present, it felt like a big milestone and it felt like a breakthrough moment. I'm not sure if it was for her or for me or maybe for both of us, but it definitely was an important thing.
1: That's nice. I feel like we went on a bunch of trips this summer, not anywhere extravagant, not really even anywhere that needed a plane between going to Delaware, going upstate. My mom and I took a lovely girls trip, going to Pennsylvania, going to the cabin, just little weekend trips. I feel like although this summer flew by, we really made the most. Most of this summer.
0: Also, we went on a ridiculous RV trip. It was ridiculous. It was a lot. And it was very, very fun. Note to the audience, things in an RV take a little longer than you expect. So Ashley and I, in our typical Virgo slash OCD slash overachiever, we're both overachievers. And also because we have busy schedules. We packed a lot in in a short period of time. So much. The RV trip was amazing. But I think one of the things that we didn't realize on this RV trip where we had had kids and we were doing things rather than our last RV trip, which was purely a stationary RV that doesn't go anywhere. And also two girls really just wanting to almost do nothing. That was the trip. Yeah. This was like a doing trip. That's what I would do again, by the way. I mean, I had a good time, but I prefer that. If we're going to do this doing kind of trip with the kids, we needed to build in more time, but we didn't know because you don't know until you do it. And one of the beauties of having an RV is that you don't have to worry about where you're sleeping and you don't have to worry about drinking and driving because you're RV could be parked and you could be walking around an RV park. Those were just things we didn't know because we hadn't done that kind of trip before. So really, the only thing I would do different about that is just build in some more time so that we felt like it wasn't just always one amazing thing to another amazing thing, but
1: more like, hey, we're just chilling. This was very outside of my comfort zone and very outside of your comfort zone. Even just driving a 24-foot RV. With children. With children, which we specifically picked because we wanted something that was drivable and 24 feet really is not that big. It can fit into regular parking spots. It fits on the road. I mean, firstly, I asked my father-in-law to drive. I asked my husband to drive and both of them said they were uncomfortable with driving it. This was a sisters are doing it for themselves kind of trip. This is exactly what this was. They both said, well, I'm not comfortable driving a vehicle that big. So I was gonna ask my mom, who also has not driven an RV, but is the most courageous person I know has bigger balls than any man I know. No offense to my husband. Your mom has BDE. The biggest cojones. BDE written all over her. It runs in the Vasquez's and I try to harness that power as much as I possibly can. You do. You have BDE as well. BDE for the listener who doesn't know is big dick energy. Yes. So I was on the phone with my mom about to ask her and I said, you know what? I can fucking do this. Yeah. I can drive this RV myself. I don't need a man. I don't need anybody. I got this. And my mom was like, good for you and we did I'm not gonna lie to you there are some challenges it's hard to switch lanes in a vehicle this big it certainly is taken by the wind a little bit more so while you're driving you have to a lot more time for speeding up and stopping because there's a whole lot more
0: heaviness coming
1: with you when you stop and same thing speeding up backing out k-turns but you know what at the end of the day I did all of it and I was really proud but it did make the RV trip stressful for you I was in fight or flight mode and didn't even realize it because I was A, driving a vehicle I'm not used to driving, which actually was fine and would do again. B, had children. So it's not only like, well, can't kill me and Carrie, it's also can't kill our kids. (laughs) Right. And C, the RV lifestyle is just not one that I normally take part in. It's not second nature. No. We were Googling all kinds of stuff. Right. It's kind of like when you are a city person and you go stay at a cabin in the woods. Where you're like, there are no curtains and everyone can see into the house. And you're also like, but there are no people around us. So it really doesn't matter. But that feeling of, is somebody outside watching? That skinwalker can see you. Right. And I'm sure people who are used to a more rural lifestyle, like my father-in-law, who's not used to city living. When he goes into New York City, he basically has a panic attack. Yeah, my sister does too. So it was just a little bit like that for me. But I'm really proud of us. (laughs) Me
0: too. I did sleep really well in that RV, though. I, have to say. I did too. The only other thing I have to say is I'm back to extremely weird and vivid nightmares. Hate that for you. I'm either a no dreamer or absolutely do not remember any of my dreams or the most detailed and aggressive. Let me just read you really quick. I sent this text to Valerie. I had a weird dream about you. you were basically running an underground prison goods and services exchange <laughs> with our old friend Brit Brit. We had been abducted to start a super race of people and we're being held in this weird jail. Atticus, her son, was there. Atticus from your family, and just me and my mom and my brother from my family. But you gave Atticus to me to take care of so that you could run things in the jail. You obviously were using your tits and your beauty to its fullest extent, pretending that you didn't have a kid so that you could slip me money and beauty products so that we could save our whole families. (laughs) And the beginning of that dream was I was in a deli with my stepdad getting a chicken parm. Sounds good. And I started to see the lights swing, and I was like, David, are we having an earthquake here in New York City? And then he turned into my mother. then the entire store tilted. All of us slipped down into an underground subway system, which turned out to be like a Holocaust train. And then when we got off, we were separated. Someone gave me a puppy and I was taken into a jail cell. That is a lot. Lee's always like, how do you remember all these details in the dream? I was like, I have no idea,
1: but no wonder I'm always tired. Oh, I forgot one more thing. I got Invisalign over the time we weren't recording and I'm basically done with my Invisalign journey, which I hate saying. I'm on my final tray. I've booked a lot, more work this summer. I thought for sure these little things they put on your teeth for the Invisalign to grip the actual retainery thing would stand out during auditions and stuff but it's been fine. I'll take it. During one of the
0: strikes a long, long time ago, I was not yet union and I worked a lot more because other
1: people couldn't work. Oh, and to clarify for anybody who is listening and doesn't understand the ins and outs of unions and the strike that's going on with SAG-AFTRA and WGA and all of this, I did not violate any strike I am a dues paying non-member of SAG I have not been reached out to by SAG in any way shape or form even though I do pay my dues and commercials were not included in the strike commercials now they used to not be this way but now are primarily non-union it's a whole thing so no I did not violate a strike for anybody who's wondering she's not a scab
0: the New York Times and The New Yorker are my two favorite things. I love The New Yorker so hard I'm a stand of The New Yorker magazine. I found this article that was super fascinating. It was like, are you even the same person that you used to be? I was like, I don't know if I am, but let's hear what they have to say. The thing the author starts to say is like, what do you remember about being a kid and how far back can you remember? He was talking about how he only remembers one or two things and they're not really feelings, they're snapshots of images. I remember at three years old getting an Easter house, maybe out of paper and my uncle destroying it immediately and being so upset because he was a teenager when I was a little kid and sort of acted like my older brother and he Mm. would take my dolls and pierce their ears with staples and stuff and I'd be like, why would you do that? So I remember this Easter house being kind of destroyed after I'd only played with it one or two times and I remember not the visual of it being destroyed, but the emotion of it being destroyed and I think I was only three or four. I feel like that's my earliest deep, deep memory. Of course it's a trauma.
1: My first memory is for my second birthday. Matt thinks I'm making this up because he's like, there's no way you remember your second birthday. Well, they talk about this and this. You probably do. Different people have different capacities for remembering. For my second birthday, my parents took me to Disney World. I remember being in the Dumbo ride with my mom and pushing the button repeatedly. Oh, to go up and down? Yeah, but I didn't realize what it did. I just remember pushing it, but I also remembered the wind in my face and how happy I felt and real pure kid joy. That's why I believe it because I genuinely remember feeling joyful and happy and being with my mommy. That's truly my first memory.
0: My other early memory is I used to sleep with my grandmother a lot and she would always powder her bosom before bed. So when she would go to bed, I would nuzzle my face into her powdery bosom. Sweet Honesty is the smell and it's an Avon scent. And after she passed away, my mom's an Avon lady, I asked her to buy me two containers of them so that whenever I Made my grandma fix, I can just like huff the smell of sweet honesty. But anyway, the author was talking about how a lot of his memories of being a kid fail to illuminate anything about his inner reality or feelings. For him, it was just snapshots. Now, what you and I are talking about is more like feelings. Mm-hmm. And they'll talk about how people's memories can be divided. He talks about if we could ever see our childish selves more clearly, we might even have a better sense of the course of our character of our lives. Like that idea of when we die, we see all these things of the past. So if we could look back and see how everything adds up, we could see the course and character of our lives. Are we the same people at four that we are at 44 or 74? Do we change substantially over time or does it all make sense put together that it's really just more of the same, just more adult? Other people have this very strong sense of a connection of their younger selves and so much of them from the past remains a piece of their home forever. They continue to live from those original feelings. He Hmm. was talking about how his mother-in-law, who lives not far from where she grew up, in the same town where she grew up, insists that she's the same person that she's always been. She recalls her sixth birthday, her seventh birthday, and he feels like maybe that's because she still lives pretty close in the same town. And so she can remember it because it's like her sphere is smaller. The question is, when you think of yourself, Ashley, do you remember yourself as you, or do you remember yourself sort of like a stranger witnessing yourself?
1: I remember myself as me. And are we talking visuals? Some people, when they think back to
0: their younger selves, it's almost like they're reading about a fictional character. They remember them deeply and they remember details, but it doesn't feel connected to them. It feels
1: very connected to me. I wonder if also being in therapy and having to do a lot of inner child work also plays a part in that connection. Now, do I think I've changed as a human being? Absolutely. Like, I don't understand how anyone could be the same as they were when they were a child. But I think a lot of those core characteristics that made me a kid are still who I am now. We're not denying that everybody changes. We're talking about, really, the core
0: characteristics. And there's a study I'm going to talk about in a second. I still think I'm very much the same person I've always been. This study divided people into categories. If you're a person that remembers yourself at the core, then you're probably a continuer. But if you're somebody who remembers yourself like as a fictional character that you know really well, then you're a divider. You might prefer being one to the other, but find it hard to shift your perspective. For instance, some people say one reason to go to a high school reunion is to feel like your old self. Old friendships resume, old in-jokes resurface, old crushes reignite, but the time travel ceases when you're done hanging out with them, right? It's like you go there, you remember, and then you realize, eh, you've all changed and now after the texturing doesn't continue, maybe. Right. On the other hand, some of us do not want to go to that high school reunion because we want to disconnect from our past selves. That's how I sort of felt. Mm. Burdened by who we used to be and caged by who we were, we wish to have multi-part lives. The life of us that was high school self, the life of us that is adult self. I feel a little bit like that, even though I have lots of memories. I think the reason why I have so many memories
1: is why I want to be like that. I feel like it's normal for people to feel a combination of the two of those things, right? Because that's how I feel. Using that high school reunion comparison, I wanted to go back because I wanted to see how people have changed. And I wanted to relive some fun, the innocence of being young and not really knowing any better and stuff like that. But at the same token, I wanted to move on after. Yeah, I didn't need to relive the past. I just was curious. In the 1970s, while working at the University of Otago in New
0: Zealand, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, a psychologist named Phil Silva helped launch a study of 1,037, that's a very specific amount, children. The subjects, all of whom lived in or around the city of Dunedin, were studied at age three, then again at five, seven, nine, 11, 13, 15, 18, 21, 26, 32, 38, and 45. In 2020, four psychologists associated with that same study summarized what was all learned in that book. And the book is called The Origins of You, How Childhood Shapes Your Later Life. They folded in some similar studies that were conducted in the United Kingdom, in the United States. One theory is a person is like a tree, which requires to grow and develop itself on all sides, according to the tendency of the inward forces, which keep it a living thing. So the core has to remain solid and it nourishes the branches out. However, it's bound to be affected by soil and climate. Sometimes lantern bugs. Right. Might be aided with some pruning here or there to help it grow. And the authors of that book actually have a whole different metaphor. They think it's more chaotic. They believe that human beings are like storm systems. Each individual storm has its particular set of traits and dynamics. Meanwhile, its future depends on numerous elements of atmosphere and landscape that are constantly affecting them, changing the direction of the storm, making it bigger, making it go away. And the fate of any given storm is shaped by air pressure, locale, time, hurricane speed, moisture, land like all these things. Those sound like the same comparison to me. Well, one is like the core doesn't stay the same. So the tree, the core stays the same. Things change it, but it's nourished by the core. Okay. The chaotic one says the core can be changed by the outside influences. Yeah, it could change to be not a storm at all and just go away. Couple things about the study that are an issue. Failability of memory. We have often a very difficult time recalling basic facts. For instance, parents couldn't remember if their kid had been accurately diagnosed with ADHD. It's like
1: every Every time Sebastian asked me how many planets have rings around them and I'm like I don't know and he's like oh you never learned that it's like yeah I learned it like fucking 30 years ago dude I don't remember.
0: Some people even had trouble remembering if their parents were mean or nice. Huh. I call that trauma response. I would say so. So at first the study characterized three-year-olds. They met with the children for 90 minutes each. They rated them on aspects of personality. Some of those were restlessness, impulsivity, willfulness, attentiveness, friendliness, communicativeness, blah blah Then they used those results to identify the kids in five groups. 40% of the kids were well-adjusted with usual mixture of kid personality traits. A quarter were found to be confident, more than usually comfortable with strangers and new situations. 15% were reserved or standoffish. And then one in 10 turned out to be inhibited. The same proportion were identified as under-controlled. The inhibited kids were notably shy, exceptionally slow to warm up. The under-controlled ones were impulsive and ornery. So then by the age of 18, certain patterns were visible. The confident and reserved and well-adjusted children continued to be that way. However, the kids that had been categorized as inhibited or uncontrolled stayed truer to themselves. So at age 18, the once-inhibited kids remained a little apart and were significantly less forceful and decisive than other children. The under-controlled kids, meanwhile, described themselves as danger-seeking and impulsive and were the least likely of all young adults to avoid harmful, exciting, and dangerous situations. They were not cautious. Teenager's that last group often tended to get angry more often and see themselves as mistreated and victimized. It's like we curate our lives to be even more like ourselves, but there are certain ways we can break out of a cycle. There was this important sense in the study that who you are is determined not by what you're like, by what you do the most. So imagine two brothers who grew up sharing the same bedroom, who have similar personalities. Everything's the same. They're intelligent, tough, commanding, and ambitious. One becomes a state senator and a university president, and the other one becomes a mob boss. That's an actual situation. That's William Bolger and James Whitey Bolger. One became a senator. The other one became a mob boss. Interesting. They're more alike than different. They're both tough and respective, but in their separate fields. So they talked about this as the tree grows, the vines twine, finding new little loopholes in the shapes that support us. It's that process that we continue through life. We change our view of that change for as long as we live. And they also talked about trauma and all that other kind of stuff. And that obviously does create the storm chaos theory that can really change. Or if we're using the tree symbolism, that's like cutting down one half of your tree. But I just thought this idea of the Bolger brothers, we have these characteristics, but you can be uninhibited in a way that as a parent, if you foster actions that are healthy for an uninhibited person. Which, what are those things? I mean, there are some characteristics. Bravery is a characteristic a little bit of being uninhibited. Yeah. It's like finding what these characteristics are, and then having your child do actions that then support that characteristic to grow a branch in a healthier direction. Interesting. It's like that nature versus nurture thing, because it's something that I think about all the time. Why does one person who comes from a family of fucked up people do amazing things? And why does another family that comes
1: from that, why does that person choose to continue the cycle? Well, it's like that whole question, are people born evil or are all children just pure and then... Based off of what they've encountered in their lives and what they've dealt with, does that shape them? Right.
0: So, anyway, it was an interesting article. It's a long article. I found it fascinating and I hope at least I encourage
1: you to read the article.
0: Hashtag swag bag.
1: We were sent these three bottles of high-quality, ready-to-serve gin martinis called Jaded AF. The flavors were lemon drop, lavender, and cucumber. Delicious. Very good. Basically, this whole thing was started by Alexa Jade Fitzpatrick, who in 2020 had a medical emergency that led her to being figuratively, physically, emotionally, and creatively reborn. She's British-born of Nigerian descent. And she always had a love of a. Ecla- and unique
0: things. And so she all of a sudden decided that she wanted to see a consumer mixed cocktail brand that was stylish. And tasted good. And
1: she's a woman of color. There's not a whole lot in this sphere. I mean, we've tried all three. Very good. I prefer the lavender personally. Me too. And you don't have to add anything. Matt, when we met, he was a bartender. So he is the deferred to bartender mixologist of our house. And I think it's been nice for him to just pour pour some into a shaker with ice shake it up and pour it into a glass and be like here you go well especially as a busy parent sometimes i'm just like let's just get this done yep and you can get yours at jaded with a y j a y d e d a f dot com bye guys we love you bye okay that's our show today folks thank you so much for giving us a listen please do not forget to rate review and subscribe or follow we are out here on our own and these things really really matter we want to hear from you.
0: Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com Follow us on
1: Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok all at Momtourage podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl.
0: Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Herring-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at band. or MamadramaBand.com.